I think, Jared, to be honest, when we went for our first Edinburgh Fringe, we brought suits yeah. uh, for the inevitable award <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and got a bit of a rude awakening then. <laughs> we had the tuxes packed away. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> we thought, Are you I, serious? I had entrance music in my head, which was like... Uh, <laughs> The fat boy slims on Rappel, Barry Rockyo, and then when the, when the, when oh, the music God. would be, oh, oh, no, no. the doors would open and we'd come out in a V in our suits. Oh, we talked about that. Didn't <laughs> we I fantasize about that all the time. Yeah, we had a good laugh at that. Yeah. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> in the V. Were you at the front of the fantasy? Of course I was at the front of the V. <laughs> it was my fantasy. <laughs> if I didn't make it to the front of the V in my own fantasy, I mean, oh, you self esteem issues are at the back. <laughs> Foil Arms and Hog are responsible for some of the most beloved Irish online and onstage comedy of the last 25 years. They've sold out the biggest venues across the world and their weekly Thursday videos are now the stuff of legend. None of it happens without the crash and recession of 2012. Today on Irishman Abroad, I get to chat to Sean Finnegan, Foyle, Connor McKenna Arms and Sean Flanagan Hogg about how it all began, the 10 years of work they put in playing tiny venues, flyering in the rain and convincing bookers to book them in the first place and lots, lots more. Like the lads, Irishman Abroad is on Patreon. That's how I fund the show and in the absence of live comedy, how we make a living. Head over there to hear the full conversation, including an extra 40 minutes on how they make their viral videos, their stage shows and the most bizarre moments they've experienced along the way. As you can imagine, just like one of their videos, gets funnier and funnier as it goes on our chosen charity partner is as always jigsaw.ie if you're a young person or there's a young person in your life who is struggling you can get equipped with the mental health skills and toughness that you'll need to survive a pandemic at jigsaw.ie they will help you on friday i put out another episode of our corona pod series with my wife tina I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's been in touch about that episode, which is obviously an extremely personal and honest conversation, maybe the most honest thing we've put out ever. Please, please go back and give that a listen if you have the time. But for now, sit back and enjoy the foil arms and hog episode of An Irish Man Abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme... What's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Connor McKenna, Sean Finnegan and Sean Flanagan. It's brilliant to finally have you on Irish Man Abroad. This is weird, isn't yeah. it? It's a little bit weird. It's definitely a little bit weird. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, we've known each other so long, like 
it's like I don't I kind of don't remember not knowing you guys but I guess that there's a time when you were in all three of you were in UCD and you guys don't know that this is where you would end up that this kind of unit that you have built would become you know your second family when did you first feel like the plays in Dramsock and the crack you were having at parties together was going to be kind of a long-term thing? It, it happened so gradually and so slowly that I'm not even sure if we're fully aware of it at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Still a little bit feels like dicking around in college. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that is true because we had a, we had a, I don't know what we were doing recently, some sort of uh, video we were doing where we uh, basically were getting into our costumes and you just remarked, Hog remarked, like, lads, this is, we haven't left college. Like, look at us here. The camera's rolling. But we're, we're there, we're holding the script and we're all in these costumes doing make-believe. Yeah. And like, mm. it's just, we I just mean, extended the best part of college to yeah. the rest of our lives. I think so. Like, yeah. we're, we're in our office chatting to you now and like looking around. I don't know if you remember in Dramsock, they had like, basically they had a big room, really messy room full of costumes. We have that. The sets were just rolling flats, like just big pieces of wood with different paint and wallpaper on them. We have that. The only difference is that we have cameras and there's three, there's just the three of us now. But yeah, that's, it's pretty much the same. It's, yeah. I mean, like that's kind of everyone's dream in so many ways to never have to grow up. And so much I feel like of the, you know, what you do and who you are and the reputation you've built is that kind of escape into this friendship between the three of you. And the reason why so many sketch groups die is because they they struggle with that friendship. What do you think makes this friendship work in that way? Because I have my own theories and I'll happily put those to you. <laughs> but I feel yeah. like, you know, this reputation you have as super nice guys this 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 uh, uh, reputation that you've artificially constructed, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Sad, if you will, as very nice individuals, continue <laughs> uh, has to be has to be part of it, because if any of you were dicks to the other during that process of learning who the the, the gang was going to be, that at some point that would eventually rear its head. Yeah. I- who wants to take it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I mean, it's hard to know. Yes, it's, we've survived over the years. We're, we're like, I guess we've, you know, you do the Edinburgh Fringe. Like that's probably the best way, we could, best place you could start. It's such an intense time. It's not quite like going to war, but in many ways, it's exactly like going to <laughs> war. <laughs> no, but you've got you've yeah. th- these intense hours. You've got to put a show together. Your pride mm. is on the line. Your money's on the line. Your yeah. career's on the line. Mm. Everything. And you've got to go out there in front of people. You know what it's like. And they've paid money for a ticket and suddenly, you know, you've got to give them the goods. And there's a huge amount of pressure there. And I think doing so many of those fringes in a row, like put us under so much high pressure circumstances that, you know, in the end, you just kind of have to find a way. If you if your goal is the same, you have to find a way to work together. So just learn to each other's personalities. And I think it's more more of a kind of a it's more brothers almost now i feel anyway mm. 
than mm. than kind of regular friends yeah it feels, feels much more like family and in yeah. that like you i'd say we've probably just pushed through so many shared experiences That's like that it. in the first few years that we probably pushed past what maybe a lot of sketch groups fall down on like you were saying jaren like when they, they fall apart early on but now we're in this kind of family yeah. thing where it would really take something big to break it like also we never had a plan b you know no. none of us mm. like no. I mean, circumstances allowed for that because there was a huge recession in Ireland and nobody had any jobs. I, you know, and Hogg was going to become an actor, and but he didn't decided not to. And Foy was going to become an architect, but the arse fell out of that. And I just had a science degree, so <laughs> I, I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't good. I wasn't interested in that. I was going to do stand up. I lit a fire at one point of like, uh, yeah, you know, I guys, yeah, all right, we got, I've got six months left here. Or I got to leave for London to become an actor and try to be an actor there. Yeah. So that was actually said. Yeah, yeah, that, that was said, what I said once. Yeah, I was like, yeah, like you know, I've I've tried it this far. Uh, if we can't get four arms, four off the ground, then I'll have to go. Yeah, uh, to London. But in fairness, you were also driving that at that point. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You had the yeah. most free time, and you were you were really going for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's. I don't want to start in too deep for the people that are coming to this chat who are like, I've seen a couple of Foil Arms and Hog videos. Uh, and sometimes I am at risk of this when I have friends on that I go into. I don't get the origin story, right? The, the beginnings of this thing. Because essentially the group itself comes about because of that drama society in University College Dublin that you referenced. And I was never a member of the thing. I just knew loads of people in there. But to, maybe you could just explain to people how, say, the first iteration of what you were doing came about and whether, a bit like my own stand-up in the beginning, do you look back and face palm or cringe at something <laughs> you did back then? <laughs> We look back and cringe on stuff we did a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I suppose well, we saw so our own stand-up. I'd say me and McKenna be cringing. I'd be cringing big oh, time. Yeah, I'd be cringing at yours as well. No, I'm not <laughs> I was cringing at mine too. Fairness, yeah. No, I only thought about one recently, and I was like, "That joke." I hope no one remembers it. But anyway, sorry for it. No, I suppose what, like the origin, origin, like was well, we all knew each other from doing the plays before there was any idea of doing a comedy mm. thing together. And then it it really kind of started with Hogg was um, writing like a, a version of Father Ted as a play, and uh, mm. I passed the mic. Yeah, we were um, yeah we were doing a yeah a, a, he did a spec script of Father Ted more or less an hour and a half version for for stage and all the characters were there and done but so the road itself was really easy you know, <laughs> template to follow <laughs> and uh, and then obviously people loved it uh, people came along to see it because uh, they were like oh that'll be great or, oh that'll, that'll be shit I want to see how bad this is and then we got a great great audience and then uh, we tried to bring that to Edinburgh and then but Grant, you should say that you you cast you cast it so you you cast yourself yeah, cast yourself yeah. you didn't even have to audition actually you just got Dougal. You'd, yeah. Oh, no, to be fair, I did audition. Oh, you did audition. Google, and they were muck. They were absolutely muck. There <laughs> <laughs> wasn't anyone close. McKenna came along and like absolutely nailed it. Thing so, came along and nailed it. Uh, well, so, there was no one in in the Dougal category whatsoever. Yeah. But Connor was so did you, you got sign off from uh, the boys to to do this. Like I remember 
hearing about this first of all and being like that's fantastic that that would be re i'd really love to see and for people that don't know what a spec script is essentially it's uh, a spec script is something you'd submit to somebody who's making a sitcom as a potential episode for the show so you built a play around that idea of an untold story though it's something that could have been in the series yeah but wasn't but you still had to get sign off from the guys, yeah, that we, we that did. achievement in itself must have been a big boost for your pop, for your confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was totally. Yeah, um, we got both the Arthur Matthews and Graham Lennon at the time, and uh, we sought Graham Lennon out, and we found him in ECD one time, and then approached him, and then shoved a script in his hand. It was nice. It was all like lovely and um, bound and stuff like that, and all that wanky kind of stuff. And they gave it to him, made it look semi-official. <laughs> And uh, yeah, he was cool with it. He was cool with it at, at a at a university uh, level. But then when we started bringing it to Edinburgh, he was like, "Oh no!" Then he just he changed his mind. No, I don't want to bring it to Edinburgh. Fair enough. Yeah. And then well, me and my my friend had already put the money down on the oh. um, on the venue, uh, or at least put our name on the contract for the venue. And uh, how and how then, gutted were you at that point, Sean? Well, I was gutted. My friend was scared <laughs> of the financial implications yeah. and the legal ramifications, but. Um, yeah, well, we were just like, what? What do we do? What do we do? I'm never been. I'm, I'm, I'm only a student. I'm in the face of this weird situation of like breaking a contract or being, being sued mm. or something like that, and then that went into the uh, the Edinburgh Guide at the time because we couldn't, we just couldn't bring it. We we tried to bring in sketcho. That's how we tried to write in sketches. We're like, oh, sketcho will be easy to write. Of course, it wasn't. And um, uh, we wrote a few few scripts. And then it was like, no, it's not ready. We'll bring, you know, well, we've got scripts for next year if we want to do this. Okay, so there there it is. And then what went into the guide was rather dead on at this time. It was already, it's already pre-planned, it's already paid for, the advertisers paid for it, there it is. Did people turn up to the venue at that time? You know, uh, maybe, I don't know. But uh, someone, no show. <laughs> someone would have thought but, that, you know, Father Ted, it? divinely inspired episode was on at 8.30 in the whatever C venue, whatever shite C venue was on it. <laughs> but it does speak to, does it not? That whole thing, that, the situation that you found yourself in there, the kind of a beast, an unforgiving, horrible thing that Edinburgh can be to uh, you know somebody with a bit of hope and an idea. That there's no way they couldn't have backed up the truck and said, look, a young person has made a mistake here and the pieces have moved can we give them back their money yeah. and let them out? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it, it it's just so uh, uncompromising in yeah. that yeah. way that I think it, from what you say there. Yeah. Foolishly, we so many people. We well, them. that's the like, thing. We, sh- we shouldn't like, have bothered our behinds. And yeah. and then what yeah, was they doing? Well, they would have went off to screw over, screw over some other um, students. Exactly. They'd have yeah. found someone else and told them that they were getting a great deal. Yeah, <laughs> incredible slot. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what happened. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, but, but uh, the first time that a venue hadn't paid us before. Do you know what I mean? We won't name names, ex- but uh, <laughs> exactly. And we, and, you know, we do need to get to that Edinburgh chat because I think, like, I've probably been there at different rooms along the way yeah where you know we were both in different states of mental distress with the whole Pro- thing probably overhearing each other's show through the thin walls <laughs> through the wall <laughs> yeah but like so that that falling through must have kind of presented the idea to you that if we're going to do sketch or has foil arms come into the equation at that point at all yet 
or is it a case of the rug being pulled under that paved the way for you guys to get together as a trio it tried to the lads yeah. were like you know when when the when the, the the father ted thing was removed it was like well we have a venue we need to just do a show any show so yeah. it's like a cast of 20 yeah. and i was like we can just go and do a sketch show and i know I'd been in a play in Edinburgh the year before just for a week. So I kind of knew what Edinburgh was like. And I was the first one to go, absolutely not. There's no way we can pull it off. I'm out. <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> and I think slowly it all just kind of fell apart. So it didn't happen that year. But when we lost our lead actor, well, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But even just even from that little bit, like the idea of doing a sketch show and some s- scripts were bandied about. And then that following year those same in Dramsock, those same scripts. And then with that cast from Father Ted, we were doing a sketch show. And the, the people just started to kind of disappear from writing sessions and from shows and stuff. But, I mean, that's true. Off, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day, you know, when when we started off writing together, like we weren't particularly good friends. Like, you know, we mm-hmm. probably had our own friendship yeah. groups within even Dramsock that mm. were stronger than what we had. But yeah. Yeah. we were just really interested. We were just really into it. Yeah. And nobody else seemed to be... Like people liked it. They liked to pop along, but nobody else was willing to do it a few times a week or whatever yeah. else we were. For everyone else was like the, well, no, I don't know. I can't really speak, but it would seem like, you know, the fun hobby thing. And then we were the overly obsessive guys. Yeah. Always turning <laughs> yeah. up with new scripts, new ideas, <clears throat> wanting to be at every writing session and not miss a thing and always perform and always have the role. And, uh, get the yeah, laughs. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm, but that's so necessary, right? I mean, I think that's the through line with everyone who's kind of in this business or particularly doing comedy is that they love it more than those that aren't in it. (laughs) You guys loved it more than anyone around you. But part of that had to be the crack that you were getting out of it. And like the thing we went to at the start of the chat, that this was more fun than anything else you could imagine. And in the same time, Connor, you're taking a swing at stand up and so are you, Sean. Flanagan, were you both realizing that loneliness of stand up is just so unavoidable? Oh, and that if it's yeah. if it's at all possible to do it as a team, that's the way to go. Oh, definitely. It was probably the it was because pro- initially we probably would have been better stand ups than the group at the very start because to get a three people to get three people performing on stage the script is really hard and yeah and you know to make people laugh whereas the stand-up you've got your microphone I mean a lot of the times we were doing it without microphones yeah or at least there was just one chef anyway at that point exactly mm-hmm. and we were so amateur at that time yeah. that more than one chef would have been our downfall <laughs> exactly <laughs> so but then after maybe I don't know it was definitely after you know six months of performing or whatever slowly the it started to turn the other way and then it was the same for a while and uh, then it was just the energy that you got. Energy is kind of like a euphemism for a lack of jokes <laughs> in many ways in comedy. <laughs> but the, uh, we had that dynamic. We, we had a we lot had, like, of... Like, if, you're, yeah. if you're dying in your hole, uh, there's two other people on stage to yeah. pick up the pieces. Yes. So you could actually mm. use that as a strength sometimes to die in your hole. And yeah. the other two lads take the piss out of you. And they're, that's funnier than anything planned. Oh, totally. So. And... Yeah, so then we got way better. So then, kind of, it was just a case of just doing stand up for, for a few quid, like a few quid, so often, yeah, yeah. Then, but like, get a bit of, yeah, yeah, kind of. So, the, so there were deaths. Like it'll be hard for people to think of that. Like I don't remember seeing you die as a trio, but like death as a trio, I would take that any day mm. over driving mm. back from Donegal. Yeah. Uh, 
That's our anecdote as well. We use the drive back from Donegal. Yeah. It feels like four hours in the darkness. Yeah, we always talk about that like, God, we dare terrible to be stand up. You die in your hole in Donegal and you're on your own. What's, what is Donegal doing? Yeah, yeah. It's I think just it's because Donegal, there's, yeah, there's no way to uh, stay overnight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you try to stay overnight, you have to stay overnight in Donegal if you're doing a gig up there. Um, because if you try to drive it back, it doesn't matter if you've killed. It's miserable to yeah, drive so for that long. long. Like I honestly don't, I don't understand how stand-ups can do it. Because so, so, say for example, if we've had a terrible gig in Donegal, the three of us would be driving home, and we'll just like start to blame each other, then blame the crowd, the venue, whatever, and you talk it out. And like after an hour in the car, you're grand, and then you're laughing all the way back to Dublin. But like mm. a stand-up by themselves in a car with no one to blame but themselves just staring mm. into the darkness ahead I'm yeah. like that is just They'd sounds doing... like the worst thing for your head you know like we used to do <laughs> those we used to stop at the petrol garage in the little hatch yeah yeah at like whatever <laughs> like a half eleven at night yeah. or you'd be trying to get there before twelve so they'd let you into the yeah, shop yeah you'd do a dance if they'd open the doors yeah, to let you in exactly. and that's everything the hatch yeah uh, but like <laughs> that like just doing that by yourself like you you definitely burning the ear off your man at the at the hatch about the shy gig like Oh God! Yeah, or your or your wife or girlfriend. Like, let's face it, that's why a lot of these comics, myself included, have long suffering wives and <laughs> partners yeah, yeah, yeah. who who totally go, "Oh, look, it was a hundred percent that venue is yeah. just a dive." Like, <laughs> you're 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 never playing that venue again. Yeah, you're never playing Carnegie Hall again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like that back then, right? The kind of. I guess the formation process for a stand-up at that point is what they call finding your voice. And for people that don't know that term, it is literally just how someone carries themselves up there to the point where they can a stand-up can kind of take, if they've found their voice properly, you can put them in any situation and they can make that funny given enough time and uh, space to do it. With the three of you is finding the voice of a sketch group is so much different as you say there's three chefs involved and in some ways having a unity on what's funny isn't necessarily the best thing am i wrong on that i'm not sure i 100 understand but here's a stab at what i, what I think you're talking about like um, for our sketches we're obviously playing characters so each sketch almost has its own voice but in between maybe when we're kind of ourselves on stage, maybe that's where the personas come mm. out. And I think maybe we, we kind of got lucky maybe early on, even in the, the way we named our sketch group. I think we had that kind of a fair idea of that in a, in a small way yeah. early on with Foil Arms and Hog was based on performance styles. Foil being myself, like a comedy foil, I could play the straight man a lot. Arms kind of, kind of was, he couldn't really play the straight man. He was like a bit too like, you know, physical comedy. So he got arms mm. and then hog, always tried to hog the limelight. So he became hog. So we kind of had those three personas and that kind of voice for, and um, when things went off script, they were usually kind of the, the roles we would slide into a little bit. Is that kind of what you're, what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, no. And look, I was trying really hard not to ask you the question of how what? did you get your name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, did a, you did a superb job. Yeah, because we've had conversations, Charles, before. Like, people always ask us in, in, in interviews the name question, don't they? And it really annoys us. It doesn't really. <laughs> you yeah, know, look, I, I, every, every piece of research I did in preparation for this, I was amazed that every single person wanted to ask that question. Yeah. But yeah. in so many ways, it is crucial to what you're saying there, that it, it explained it all. 
it essentially captured the whole thing. Now, I can remember for the first while it being, a, <laughs> I remember you coming under pressure from certain people to say, you have to change that name. Yeah. Uh, there was, there was people, yeah. I can remember people announcing you as cabbage, tin and pot. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we used, that's why we started. I, if anyone's seen us live, we, at the end of every sketch, we have like a, a symbol from a drum kit that we bring on and we, we hit that at the end of the sketch. But because we could just see this when the compare was introducing us on in clubs, you would just see their face go white with fear <laughs> and they wouldn't remember yeah. this convoluted Three name yeah. and they'd, they'd panic and say yeah. anything or nothing or just the Irish guys. <laughs> and then, bogs and hogs. Oh, here they come. <laughs> just <laughs> arms and switch. So we actually made a, a sign out of a pillowcase with our name on it, four arms and like hung it under the sim- symbol so that when the compare did that white face, they could just look back and go, Ah, there it is, written down behind them. <laughs> I, I used to love when they, they didn't know the name, right? But they didn't want to have a stab in it, so they would just get the noise in the room so loud that they, oh, it yes. would be indiscernible what they yeah. said. Okay, make some noise. Let's get the clapping up to 10. Please welcome the stage. <laughs> I think I think I've actually been guilty of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Just get the energy up. Get the energy up to 90. People's like, I didn't hear who it was. Well, I didn't hear what it was. The They'll say it at the end. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. one of the biggest fans here. Here we go. Oh, hugs, hugs, and hugs. Uh, yeah. for hugs, hugs. Your man, hugs. Yeah, I love you guys. Hugs. Well, like, I guess the other part of it was that part of that convoluted, complicated question about finding voices was that, you know, if I come up with an idea or if any other stand-up alone comes up with an idea, there's no, there's no Senate, there's no sounding board, there's no uh, mm. one else to pass it through. Each and everything that you do has to meet the approval of all of you there obviously isn't any or from what i can tell there isn't a, a time when anyone goes well fuck you lads i'm doing this one this is my one and we yeah. did your one there has to be unanimous uh, agreement yeah. we now, did your shite joke last week we're doing my shite joke this week <laughs> yeah. i think probably in the early days we would have maybe gone if someone was really bullheaded about it we'd kind of go right fine we'll do it so and uh, it better be good. <laughs> then you'll see oh, because yeah. it would always be in front of a live audience and then you kind of learn very quickly you're like oh if i put my entire reputation on the line every time yeah with the two other lads mm. like in front of an audience like i'm gonna lose the yeah it's also it's it's your idea which is obviously really scary but then it's also two other people who are acting in that sketch who don't want to do it yeah yeah <laughs> so it's, it's really yeah. extra yeah, terrifying yeah, yeah. you're never gonna get it. you're never gonna get a hundred percent even even if people are like right i don't like your joke but give it my best shot like they don't have the passion so like Mm. This is possible. So I talked to the the fourth member of Foil Arms and Hog before coming on here. Full disclosure, I talked to Duck uh, on the phone before our chat. Now, uh, the listeners won't know who Duck is, but, you know, he's an incredible human being Mm. who has been with you every step of the way and is the manager, right? He's the manager. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's all right. weird. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be listening to this now. Going yeah. too much, too yeah. much. I went too, I went too hard there. Uh, but yeah, you know, we discussed this thing of the, you know, the unanimous agreement on well, being able to say to each other that's not funny, and no one getting their feelings hurt by that, and that I'm sure that there's times when you just don't have time <laughs> to explain <laughs> why I don't like that idea, and that requires understanding from others and then there has to be times when you go yeah i can't see that working for these reasons can you talk to me a little bit about that and how is there more 
that's not funny, put that in the bin, scratch that, pull that page out of your notebook. Or is there more, there's something in that, let's pop the hood and see, can we tweak it to make it super great? I think it's got a bit of both, really, a bit of everything there. You mm. you do always try and give a full explanation about why you don't think something works, because otherwise it's not, initially, I guess it's to, to respect the person who's come up with the joke and, you know, <clears throat> to give them a proper explanation. But also it's because, well, you might find a solution. You know, you've got to get inside mm. the other person's head. They found this funny for a reason. Like, what mm. what is it that that they're not articulating in, in the in the wording of it or the performance of it that that you can help bring out? Yeah, yeah. So if one person found it funny, they found it funny for a reason. Yeah, yeah. They're just you're right. They're not articulating it the correct way. I learned something only this year. I think it was. Where it was like, oh, I kind of rely on 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 an instinct. When we say instinct, it's it's really, I just haven't gone and and siphoned through, uh, sifted through the reasons why I find it funny properly to get it across mm. to maybe you guys. Or, it's or, all good. Or, or if something I don't find funny, I go, oh, I don't find it funny. And an and, and instinct, that's, that's, that's a good enough reason. If it's not a good enough reason, you guys need a reason, I found. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I, need, I, I just back up that with, 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 with any, any reason and then and find the reason. And then, and then you're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. Uh, whereas before, should, yeah. I didn't I didn't often do that. No, but true. But after the instinct, you like, give oh, those you, explanations, it's really helpful because then I go, oh, you're right. It, it doesn't make sense in that. Because it's usually a logical reason that you're like, mm-hmm. that it doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I can give you, I can give you what you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> but I think well, over well, years we, we've developed. I think we really, yeah, go ahead there. Because I really think we need a, a specific example here. I don't know if there's, if, if I could pull a sketch and maybe go, well, to me, that one flies off the bat. I doubt there was any argument over that one. Let's say, for example, uh, the people arriving late into work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. one of my all, we might p- play the clip here of the various different incarnations of people who arrive in late into work and have different explanations or ways of getting out from under the radar of blame or suspicion or uh, finger pointing for it. They need to do something about that roundabout out there. It's absolutely ridiculous. Did somebody say coffee and donuts? Amazing. Donuts. Yes. You're early. You're an hour late. No, the clocks went backwards. They went forwards. Did they? You're late. Uh, yeah, pull the tom, huh? <laughs> do you remember last week he was late four times? Oh yeah, serious? <laughs> You're late. Am I? God, that's not like me. I am so annoyed at myself for being late. First thing I did, didn't set the alarm clock correctly. Close the door behind me, what have I done? I've left the keys inside. I am so annoyed at myself that I don't think anyone else needs to be annoyed at me. <sighs> oh. God, is that the time? That, that could... That's... That's not that late, is it? Is it? Seriously? Unbel- wow. That could, no. I'm late. I'm late because I overslept. I was drinking last night. I couldn't hear my alarm clock. It went again a second time, and then I intentionally turned it off, went back asleep again, knowing full well that it would make me late. Any questions? Now that we've listened to that, someone walks in with that idea. Who, who was it? Oh wow! It was so long ago. Yeah, I think it's me. I think it was mine. That was our old office. That yeah, goes back in the day. I yeah, was, I think it was my idea. Yeah, 
yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a flying ghost. Sorry, flying ghost idea. It wasn't my okay. head, sorry. Hog's idea. It's, it's hard to sometimes tell. It's some 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 are more obvious than others. Yeah, I if, guess. It, if it was my sure. idea, it'd, it'd have more views right now. If it was my idea, <laughs> yeah, it would. It would. Again, there's lots more to this chat. It's only getting going. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Become a member for the price of a coffee, or better still, join up to Full Arms and Hog Patreon. Join them all. Support these people like myself who are putting out great stuff for you to enjoy across the pandemic and get access to our full back catalogue of episodes with every Irish comedian that's come down the stairs in the last 30 years from Dylan Moran to uh, Jason Byrne to Des Bishop and Chris O'Dowd, uh, Sharon Horgan, Ashling B. The range of comedy episodes that are in that archive for the price of a coffee a month is really I don't think you can find a better archive of interviews with Irish talent anywhere. Patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad is the place to go if you haven't signed up already. Huge thanks again to everybody who's been in touch this week, especially about the Corona Pod episode with my wife Tina that we put out on Friday. It really means a lot. I would love if you shared that or went back and listened to it. It's a frank and honest and tough, soul-bearing conversation and it took a lot to do it and I'm really grateful to Tina for doing it. Every week I thank her and Mikey for making the show possible. This is a week where that has never been more true. So thanks Tina for doing that and thanks to everyone who has been in touch. It's easy to get in touch. I'm obviously on Twitter. We've got our, we've just started our own Irishman Abroad Twitter account because that's how quickly I move and there is the email address irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com I even have a text line you can text the live line 0044-7543-122-330 send us an L voice note if you have a question for Sonia O'Sullivan on Monday in the running show or Marion McKeown Irishman in America every Friday and of course, the Selection Box will be back. We're nearly done with our independent bookstore series that I've been putting together for the last 10 weeks. This week, we're going to take a dive into rare book collecting. We had someone who got in touch about this specifically, and now this episode is happening. I want to say a huge thanks to Foil Arms and Hog. Just the nicest lads you're ever going to meet. I'm so, so happy for everything that has happened for them in the past year and just the proof that the work pays off you do need to hear the rest of this conversation. If you come this far, you may as well go the rest of the way. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad to hear the rest and start enjoying everything that Irishmanabroad has for you this summer. <laughs>